Let me introduce our guests for today. Uh, two people, uh, Mark Bell, who is the founder, uh, one of the founders and owners of Sir Coffee, which is a small chain in Orange County, and OB Beans, right, which is in Ocean Beach in San Diego, and Ryan, Dr. Ryan Delmater, who is the founder of Ocean Water, that's a nonprofit that provides clean drinking water to small, disadvantaged, poor communities in the third world. He's got one in, the one I know is Palmercito, El Salvador, right? So, they're gonna talk about the combination of nonprofit and profit businesses working together to provide benefit to both. And I'm gonna turn it over to you guys. Okay, come on up here. Uh, nice to be with you today, my friend Mark. We have been friends for 20 years, um, and so that's a little bit of our relationship. I'll let Mark start. He's mm -hmm. going to, oh, you want me to start? Yes, there. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, so Mark's in coffee. Mark, uh, in, I think, 2015, wanted to do something different with his life, so he decided to sell his house in San Diego and start roasting. So for those of you who are, who are interested in business, there's always risk involved when you start a business. A lot of people want the results of the business, but they don't want the risk involved. There's always risk. And so I, uh, the, the good news about starting businesses, the studies show that actually, um, and this I was shocked to find this out, but this would be encouraging to you that actually uh, the majority of people that, that, that do well in business they do better as they start them as they get older. And why would that be? It's because you learn from your mistakes. So when you're an entrepreneur and you start in your 20s, there's like a certain success ratio. You start in your 30s, it goes up. So just be encouraged. You're going to start some stuff. It may or may not work out. But uh, Mark has been doing that for seven years now. Yeah. yeah. You want to talk to him a little bit about what it's like to sell your house? And, well, yeah. I guess like our story, yeah, my story is we, um, uh, I was uh, kind of playing around with roasting. I was do working with nonprofits before this. Um, and uh, the reason why we did that is we went, we went on a trip down to Mazatlan, Mexico. There's this shop down there called Mooney Bean Coffee. And we went down there and a buddy of mine, Tom, ran it. And when we showed up, um, we went down there just to hang out and serve like good waves. And um, it was interesting to watch because he like was creating so much good around something so simple. Because like everybody drinks coffee, like you just don't think about it. You know, it's like okay, whatever. It's just like a daily drink you do, you drink. And so he, um, but he was utilizing it to like work with a nonprofit that he had started there, and they were helping a lot of the like families that lived in the dumps, and they recycle a lot of the stuff that came into the dumps and. And so he went out and really helped um, helped a lot of these families. So he's, he he was going back and forth for a long time, and he lived in Mammoth, and he would he was doing like these um, he, he was like a, a stonemason. He would do like the big, huge like fireplaces with all the like river rock, like those cool you know that you'd see in Mammoth or whatever. And he would go back and work, and then go back and like help people with his nonprofit back forth, back forth, and eventually he's just like. This is exhausting. I got to start something that's going to sustain what I'm trying to do here. So that's when he started the coffee shop, he started the roastery, and then he used that as kind of like his home base to support the nonprofits that he worked with. But he also was able to hire like a bunch of the local like young people there, got got them jobs, and then also provided like this really rad environment because there's a lot of snowbirds that would like like live in Canada and then come down there during the winter but a lot of them like were just kind of disconnected and he created like this like space for them to come and like hang and, and there was like um, a lot of community happening and I just remember watching Tom and he's like this old like he had like long hair like this hippie surfer guy like really cool and I just was I was so blown away by how much good was coming from something so simple I'm like, man, what if we could take like this idea of like doing coffee and leveraging it for good and do that like where we were from, which is in Ocean Beach, that's where I was living. Anybody ever been to Ocean Beach? Probably not. Yes, I don't even know. It's like Yeah, well I'm from San Francisco. 
Yeah. So you know. Yeah, right. Right. yeah. Cool. The pier, all that good, good stuff. So we, um, so we were like, there's no roasters in Ocean Beach, so we decided, hey, let's like go start roasting coffee, like figure it out, and like whatever <laughs> business, like you just have to figure it out when you go. You just don't like it's not like you just know. Like you're like, okay, this is something that we want to do. So we like found a couple mentors who like roasted coffee and like showed us how to do that. Um, and we started roasting in my garage. <laughs> and so like people would walk by and like, what are you doing? And we're like, oh, we're roasting coffee. Like, and it smells, it's interesting when you roast coffee, if you smelled that, um, a lot of times you think it smells like, you know, when you grind coffee, like that espresso smell, but it actually smells more like, like burnt toast or like popcorn. It's a very interesting smell. There's like phases to it that you can like, you know, kind of. It's a it's a unique smell. So people come by and like, what are you doing with that smell? So we learned how to roast. We were selling in farmers markets, um, and um, and our passion was to use this to do good. Like that's our mission statement on the wall everywhere that we start a shop. It says doing good farm and cup. It was always our passion, like obsession. To like how do we leverage something simple to do a lot of good? And so um, I remember the first, I still have this photo, but I remember we weren't making any money when we started. We were like some farmer's markets and we were trying to sell like enough little bags of coffee at the farmer's market to like pay the $50 fee at the farmer's market and then have a little extra so we could go to pizza port and drink beers afterwards. Like that was like our, our mission, right? But I remember when we made just enough money, you know, just a little bit, I remember writing our first checks and we wrote them to you and three other nonprofits that we were like really passionate about. And we gave them, that was like all the money we had, but it was like our passion. Like that's why we started it. And we got to a point where, um, we had to decide if this was like a side hobby. We were all working other jobs. Um, and we were doing this on the side, like we would do farmer's markets at night we were just kind of roast when we had time. And so um, we all had to make a decision if we were all in. And I tried to go and raise capital for it. And um, I couldn't raise anything. Not, I, I just couldn't get anybody to like buy it. Like, they were like, yeah, cool, coffee shop. Good luck, you know? And I'm like, no, it's going to be awesome. You come in with a lot of passion, right? And this is one thing like in business, like if you have a passion for something, you're gonna have a lot of people that are like, yeah, 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 right, okay. Good luck with that, right? And only you can like fan your flame, like to keep it alive. Like you just, and there's there's gonna be times when like you just have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and no one else is gonna believe it. You just have to like believe in it more than anybody else. And so we got to a point where I was like, well, if we're gonna be all in, we need to fund it. And that's when he, he pulled the, you know, that part of the story is I decided I, I would um, sell my house and invest in it. And it's interesting because once you, you do something like that, like that was super extreme, I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> Not super smart, you know? Um, but um, I, at that point, I was all in, all in. And it's funny because then I did have to go raise some more capital. I thought, oh, this will be all the money that I need. And everybody tells you this and you won't believe them, but it always takes twice as much money as you think it's going to take, and it's going to take twice as long, every time. But you're not going to believe it, because if you're an entrepreneur, you're like, I can do this, I got this piece, we're going to, we're gonna, you, you see the strategic advantage, and that's what fuels you to keep going, right? But once you get into it, you re realize that, so we, we ran out of money, and I had to go raise some more cash, but because I had a lot of skin at the game, in the game at that point, some people stepped up and they knew that my back was against the wall. I wasn't just going to take their money and like, oops, it didn't work out. Like, I was going to lose everything. And so they invested into us and then we started our first shop, uh, which was Obi Beans. And we just thought we would just do one shop. Um, and we started that, we went on our first sourcing trip, we went down to Mexico and saw like how coffee, I don't know if you guys know about coffee, coffee's cherries on trees, and it's hand-picked by people. And one tree produces enough coffee for like one pound of roasted coffee. So if you get your head around how much coffee we drink here in the United States, um, it's an incredible amount of work to 
handpick all that stuff, put it in, put it in, um, in these bags, and carry it down mountains. And then they process it, get it prepared, they ship it, then it gets roasted and served. So we were blown away by how much work went into that, and then that solidified our our passion to help farmers as well and we started doing direct trade so we would travel to origins we traveled all over the world we'd met with farmers um, we see the working conditions we see if they're using organic practices even if they can't pay for the organic seal on it because that's a lot of money to do and we get to see what kind of practices they're doing um, we get to try their coffees first as they're coming off the off of harvest and pick some of the best coffees that we can find and then we pay them directly so instead of paying like a broker and then they cut it in half because like it would be like wholesale right you know wholesale always gets cut in half um, they get the full amount of money so these these farmers are working really hard to create incredible quality coffee for us and make sure that they harvest it correctly process it correctly because anything along that process is going to mess up the coffee in your cup. Mark, so they have collectives? That some of them do. Yeah. So some of them do. So some of them we actually have co-ops that work all together and they'll pool all their coffee together. So in Africa, they do a lot of that there yeah. because it's small lot farms <laughs> on mountains and they'll pool them together. And so you, that's why you'll get, uh, and they a lot of times will process those naturally. So they let the, the cherries dry on the outside and then take the cherry out. So it's like a, um, it's a, a uh, a little bit more muddy taste, but juicier. When I say muddy, like it's not as clear and crisp, but you'll get incredible like coffees from these regions as they like put pool all of their coffees together. Um, in Central America, a lot of times it'll be a little bit bigger farms and they'll focus on certain varietals. So you get a real clear, crisp uh, coffee that you Yeah, so it goes both ways. On the co-ops, a lot of times we'll work with a producer who will buy it from the co-ops and then and then process the coffee. And so that's kind of the process. When you transport it from South America or, or, or Africa, are there any special logistics or transportation requirements? Yeah, there's a lot of them, but we, we usually will work with um, people who are already importing coffee from these regions. We're, we're almost big enough to where we're about ready to start buying our own shipping containers full of coffee which is great, we're hitting that volume. Um, but up till now, we've worked with other people who are like exporting from those areas, and then we'll put bags on their container. So they'll deal with a lot of those. They're not temperature controlled or anything like that? No, they're not, yeah. Um, and they probably should be, you know, because some of them, you know, they sit for a long time. But typically, um, a, a green coffee bean is fairly hardy. So like you, it's not as like volatile as maybe uh, like a, I don't know, like a grape or something for wine or something like that. So that's kind of like where we got. And then we started uh, Sir in St. Clement when it partnered with a, a friend of ours. Um, he wanted to start, it, we were able to create something really special in OB. If you've ever been to OB Beans, if you ever go there, try it out. Um, but there's like such a cool community. The same thing that we saw was happening in Mazatlan with my buddy Tom started happening there. It was the place where people went and connected. We had a lot of students from Point Lomanaz and from San Diego State. A lot of them come and, and study there. But we have a lot of the community that comes there every day. And we were able to create such a, a cool vibe in the space. And then we were able to partner with Ride for Water and take some of our, our like barista team and people who were like our customers down to El Salvador. Um, we had another project um, in Mexico that we were working on. So we go down there and it's, it's fun to actually like leverage that platform to do a ton of good. And it's fun to see how like it's kind of, it, we're starting to see that same vision we saw down in Mazatlan happen there. And so we started in San Clemente, the sh shortened version of that, we started in San Clemente, we, we were like, we want to actually scale this, what are we going to call it? We call this Sur, it's South, Spanish for South, Southern California. Um, and uh, now we have one uh, in, by USD, uh, in Linda Vista, in, in uh, um, San Diego. We have the one in San Clemente, and then we just opened up one. So, 
Yeah, so it's always fun when people are, um, this is a marketing class for non-marketing majors, correct? Cool, we're in the right room. Um, yeah, so it's always fun to hear a little bit of the founder story and then how people use their, their platforms. So a lot of the best marketing is, is what Dave, I know, has tried to model for you guys, even in the way that he teaches, you'll notice, do I call you Dave or is that... Mr. Harrison, I don't know. No, I ride bikes with Dave on Saturday, so that's like our friendship <laughs> of four years. So that's Dave's a really good cyclist, very nice guy, and uh, we live by each other in San Clemente. So, but a lot of, but when you're talking about marketing, uh, I know he's brought in other people that have had um, one person. Uh, his son is into Disavano record stuff. They've had some other people. So when you're talking about marketing, a lot of it does have to do with with collaboration and partnerships. So you can use, so like our relationship, been friends for 20 years, but also you can use uh, co your coffee place to also fund water projects. So we've been doing work in El Salvador. Uh, in, in, um, in 2010, I rode my bicycle across Canada. Who's been to Canada? Anybody? I rode my bike all the way across from the west coast to the east coast, and then I rode from there to California. And then I rode from California to Columbia. I did not ride the Darien Gap. I get that question. That's like the most narcotic place on the planet. I took a plane flight from Panama City to Medellin. But I rode for a year, and I, I wanted to do something kind of different with my life. And I, and I went on this bicycle ride, and I learned all about water. And uh, Mark and I were living in San Diego at the time. As he was kind of starting his new, this new phase of his life, I had to do with coffee. And um, I got very interested in it. That's actually when I went back to grad school and I did a, a doctorate in public health where I studied water policy. And so we started to go on trips together to, uh, to El Salvador. We were asked by a teacher from uh, like the most prestigious preparatory academy in El Salvador uh, and to come and help them with some bucket systems by a little village at the beach. Her name is Doreen, so we went down and on that trip, 34 of us went. The whole thing was a party. It was like, it was like a 10-day like beach party. And we surfed. And, and um, at that time, we were using these bucket systems. There's different, there's different clean water platforms. I want to explain a few of them to you so you can understand. The simplest ones are these little buckets that you use. And they, they basically do like, um, if, you go to, if you have blood problems, you go to the hospital, they give you a dialysis machine. The dialysis machine is a machine that will clean your blood. So the same company that is the largest dialysis-making machine in America developed this little filter that does the same thing for water. It works on gravity. So you're able to get these filters, and you're able to attach them to this $5 paint buckets like at Lowe's or Home Depot or, or some hardware store. And they work really well for uh, somebody who already has like an existing water infrastructure like a, at someone's house. A lot of times you do projects in Central America, they have access to water, but the water's dirty. And what I mean is people will get like typhoid and diphtheria and diarrhea and dysentery. Those are what we call waterborne illnesses. So waterborne illnesses can be easily solved by just doing these little bucket systems. And we did that, I think, for two years. Yeah. We did like five, I don't know, we did a lot of homes. Mm -hmm. We were doing these buckets, and then we were like, I was really getting into water policy, and I thought, wow, I've surfed uh, since I was 12, uh, and I still surf. I caught 230 waves last month 
in October, according to my surf watch. I'm really proud of that. You probably don't care, but that's like that's like right at the top of what I count. And he's a good surf. That's like he's a good that's like everyone has what they everyone has what's important to them, and they count it, and that's me. So I just own it right away. My wave count. That's my most important metric in my life. So I just, just want to get that out of the way. And uh, and so we were um, we were just doing a lot of uh, doing some surfing and and. I thought, well, what if we could, what if we could do like some desal work? Now, desalinization is another platform that people use. So, one, you have bucket systems. The second thing, you know, you may, for those of you who are like somewhat stay in the news in this area for a couple of years, they've been trying to pass this desal system up between Huntington and Seal Beach in the Bolsa Chica area. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Okay, so. All right, there's one guy. Okay, you're you're my guy right now. So, desalinization is the process where you just take the salt out of the water from the ocean. Make sense? Okay, it's a simple concept to explain, but it's really hard to execute, <laughs> as we learned, because we did our own desal project in El Salvador. It's a very good idea, very good policy, very hard to execute, very hard to manage, and very expensive. So we sort of did that for a while, and we had some mixed results. I think we learned a lot from that. Um, so that's another platform for cleaning water when you have these bucket systems. It's really fulfilling if you're Mark and you're a business owner and you're waking up and you're going to work every day and you're putting your life on the line for your company. And you know, it's not easy to have a successful business in California. My, my friend's like a humble guy, it's very hard to do. It's now four locations and a multi-million dollar business. He wouldn't say that, I'm saying that for him because I'm a good friend. But he's done, they're doing really, really well, it's very hard to do that. So it's really fulfilling when you're when you're grinding and working on a goal to actually see it work. Not only to see it work, but then to have some joy that you're actually helping people like with your company. Not only are you helping people have jobs, you're helping people have health care, but you're actually helping people in El Salvador. Wow, that's pretty cool. So it's been a lot of fun. We've been down there 17 times in uh, since 2015. We've been down there quite a bit. We've been learning a lot. There's a system, I don't know if this will turn on, but there's a system I want to show you now. So the first one was buckets. The second one was desal. That's where you take the salt out of the water in the ocean. Now I want to show you something really cool. This is like a third, a third platform now. And um, please check out um, Mark's site when you get a chance. Um, and then there's this. This is really interesting. Um, this is a water system that, get this, it converts sunlight and air into drinking water. You ever heard of this before? Yeah, so these panels that I'm gonna show you, they they just, uh, these are great because, you know, there's no envir environmental regulations that are against it because no one owns the air and no one owns the sunshine. Not yet. <laughs> Maybe it's coming. Um, so this is the next, so we did buckets, we did this desal system, now we're gonna, this is kind of like water 3.0 for us in, a, in El Salvador, partnered with this company. Pretty cool. This system here was built by a, a materials scientist at MIT. Um, very, very smart guy. And essentially it captures the sun's rays and utilizes that heat inside of the system to produce drinking water. We have a few of these panels that are installed at uh, our friend Adam. Adam is the co-owner of Sir Coffee with Mark, which is pretty cool because we put the panels at Adam's house in San Clemente. So if you're ever in San Clemente, you can message us. You're, you're smart. You know how to get a hold of us. We'll give you some water from. We'll try to give you some water from Adam's roof. These things work. These things work amazing. What is really neat um, about these? So this system in El Salvador is going to make. Uh, 1,500 liters of water a month. They have an engineering team and they research a barometric pressure, amount of daily sunlight, the humidity in the air, and they come up with these really advanced forecasting methods for how these systems are gonna work. Really, really cool. And these systems come with a little thing, like you ever go to the airport, who goes to the airport with the empty water bottle, you get the security, you know what I'm talking about? So we got like a little dispenser, so that's gonna be really fun. And these, these systems are really, really quite cost effective. So, um, 
we've kind of talked a little bit for a while um, so far, but now I just want to open it up for some questions. We've spoken for, I think, like 25 minutes now about sort of the relationship between like a, a for-profit business and then a non-profit and kind of how those work together. And just to be clear, so you know, Mark and Adam, they use like some of the profits of their company. They don't just promote ocean water. That's the name of the nonprofit, um, even though we're converting sunlight there. They don't just, but they actually use the profits of their company to help fund some of these projects. So let's open up for some questions. Anyway. When it comes to work at the coffee shop, how do you communicate to the customer the good that you're doing in the limited interaction you have with them? Yeah, it's great. Well, one of the things is right off the bat in all of our shops, we like try to tell the story through like photos on the walls. Um, obviously, our website through Instagram. We're we're constantly trying to like help people to engage in that part of our like story. And so um, another piece too is like trying to help. Uh, you know, when someone's been around for a while, one of our team members, like we can like really download them on like what we do. But what's really cool is when I can bring one of our team like to one of these places. So we actually have a handful of our team um, at all the shops who've actually been on trips with us or actually come down and help us, you know, build something in Mexico or come on one of these trips to El Salvador. And, it's it or come on a coffee farm and see the coffee like growing on the trees, you know, and they and they can speak to it with more you know passion with it like that. So that's kind of primarily how we do that. Yeah, we kind of share. Obviously, all the bags have a story in the back, let people know. But we're constantly trying to figure that out. Like, how do we keep telling the story in compelling ways? What yeah. one way is just you know informing people. You know, so for example, like in El Salvador, where we do work, the reason why we're so motivated by water, the average person in the place where we've been going spends about 20% of their income on drinking water. Can you imagine in California if you spent 20% of your income on drinking water? I wouldn't go over too well. There, it's normal. Normal. So it's a lot, some of it's just education. You know, when you walk into um, OB Beans, when you walk into Sir Coffee and San Clemente, there's like actually on the walls, like photos of the projects that we've done with the website for Ocean Water. And I told him a story today as he drove up here in his Jeep. Somebody from Hawaii, this guy was 23, she's in grad school, visiting from Hawaii, went in his coffee shop, you know, typed in our website. On our website is my cell phone number, and it says, text me, I'll try to help you. And I'm saying that to you today. You know, if you text me, I'll try to help. I don't know what I can do, but I'll try. And, um, and she texted me, and that was just another person. So to answer your question, you know, some of it's just good marketing, right? Mm -hmm. Like you put stuff in your, in your business when people walk in. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Um, again, from a marketing standpoint, how are you like, expanding your audience? Because it sounds like pretty storefront based, but a lot of stuff you're doing is really cool. So you have like, a sh like an online shop where you're selling the bag of beans. And then yeah, you go to surcopy.com and that. We have a lot of our story on there too. So. Like we have, you know, videos and spots where it talks about how we're doing good and the, some of the stuff that we're working on, some of our nonprofit links, stuff like that. So we do have that online. Um, we try to do that through our Instagram a lot too, just kind of telling those stories. Um, we just actually got back from a team. We were down in Mexico um, working on um, a uh, uh, community center we've been working on down there for a while. And we made like a cool like little recap video of like why we took our baristas down and um, just try to inspire people like that too, you know. So, pretty cool. Does your, uh, I, I love your mission statement, because it's so simple and so direct, but does that, do people come to you and want to work for you because of that? Yeah, that, that we have a lot of people that are drawn to our business specifically because of like, yeah, our passion to do good, and so, it's funny because like a lot of times, um, yeah, we'll, we'll get really rad employees that really care about the world and making an impact because they were drawn to us from that, that ethos of our brand. Yeah. You know? And then do you, I, I might know the answer, but maybe I don't, do you, 
pay them more, you do health care for them. I mean, you, you're doing good for farm coffee. Yeah. You're doing good for yeah. them too yeah. compared to other coffee places. Yeah. yeah, I mean our our team our teams all make really well, make really good money, and we you know have health care for them and all that. Yeah, so we we do our best as a small business to like we're not like some massive corporate business that has like a ton of systems that are set up. Like we just recently set up like our whole HR system. Like so we're like. As a small business, you figure that out as you go. Yeah. Um, but we, we really care about taking care of our employees and, and across the board, making sure they're taken care of, so, yeah. And do you do any other local marketing stuff besides I, what you're doing with Ryan and, and some of the other you know, things you're doing? Good, some of the other good things yeah. you're doing. A lot of times, uh, we just partner with stuff in the community a lot. You know, like I have a lot of schools will come in and be like, hey, can like you donate to this event that we're doing, or can you come be a part of this thing? You know, in Ocean Beach, we've always um, donated um, for all of the teachers when they come back. So we donate for all the teachers at Hobie Elementary. And then they, they do a massive bake sale. We have a huge parade that happens the first week, weekend of every um, of, of, uh, of December for like it's Christmas parade. And they do like massive like fundraiser. We always just give them tons of coffee to sell like as part of their thing. So we just when you're when you actually care about your community and you're like partnered with them and we like donate and we're involved and we're we're supporting constantly. Like we have uh, like the Main Street Association we did this huge pancake breakfast and they do that for like toys like toys for time. like they raise money for toys you know for kids. Uh, in that area, and, and we just, you know, are able to donate, partner with that huge thing, we did all the coffee for that, and, and I think the more you can find ways to partner with things that are happening in the community, it puts you in front of people, you know, and they see that you're not, yes, we do that because it gets our name in front of people, but we also do that because, like, we care about our community, like, we want to see these things do well, we care about the students at OB Elementary and all that, so that's been, like, a big thing, and it was really helpful when we first started uh, to be in that farmer's market because every week we were like front and center for all the people that came in. So um, if you ever start like a business and you have a product um, that you're trying to sell, man, having it in a farmer's market gives you like immediate like feedback from people. And sometimes it's gnarly, dude. They're like, <laughs> some lady drank our coffee. Terrible, you know, and then you're like, you know, man, dude, like, we're trying so hard, we're so good, you know, but like, it's just like certain beer, you know, some people like certain beers, certain coffee, certain things for different things, you know, most everybody loved it, they're like over the moon, but um, that was really good, just getting in front of people, talking to a lot of people, and, you know, not just hiding out in our shop, but that's what we started like right out in the mix, you know, so that was good too. Yeah. So I noticed when I've been in Sur, there's, there's like a community of you know, people from all over the world, quite honestly, yeah. I don't know what they're supposed to do <coughs> in Sur at 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, but uh, um, have you ever considered taking them on some of your trips? Just kind of expanding your community? Yeah. It's funny because Ryan actually, so he'll he'll like hang in the shop, and tell him, but he like will hang in the shop and gets to know a lot of people. He uses the shop too once a, once a week for like a, a weekly gathering, uh, um, which is pretty cool. But um, it's fun to be partnered up like this because he'll like meet a ton of people and before you know it, they're like on one of our trips. <laughs> he met her, met her at, you know, during happy hour at the coffee shop, you know, or whatever. It's like kind of a cool, like organic thing, you know. I mean, coffee shops are those places that like are such a cool place to meet people, connect to people, connect to like, you know, community stuff. It's like a community, it really has become like community like centers, which is very interesting. This is from Matt. What's been like the main demographic group that you've been able to attract regarding age group or whatnot? So more of the younger crowd or more of the middle-aged crowd? What's been, from what you've observed in the past seven years? Yeah, I wish I could like say it was exactly like this, yeah. you know, because we do have, we have done like market research, we've worked with people, we've like broken down what our customers are. 
Um, primarily, it's a lot of younger people, you know. I think, like, uh, in, in San Diego, there's a lot of students. Um, and, um, and, but I do see there's, there's a lot of, like, older crowd that comes in, too, and really enjoys, like, being in that space and being around that energy, and they like that kind of, um, that vibe, too. But if I was to say, it's, like, probably, um, you know, kind of young people, coastal young people that, you know, live and play and work on the coast and are, you know, um, you know, that kind of person. So usually it's our demographic. So. That's what I've seen in there. Yeah. That's and if I can ask one question. Yeah. For Ryan. Um, yeah. What's like the main drawback with like source? Because it seems like it's like a, like a story come true, right? No regulations, right? Cost effective. Especially for these regions, they have a lot of sun, so uh, like in some tropical areas. So what do you think are some of the drawbacks with using it? Well, they're young. You know, so I think they're on the, they're not even really to early adapter. Like when you study like bell curves and they're, they're just getting started. Yeah. I mean, most people don't even know what we're talking about. Uh, so I think, you know, for, for things to really be utilized, they have to become adapted more. They have to be, they have to be used more. Uh, but I've been studying water policy and platforms for 10 years and this is the best, most cost-effective, scalable. They, they have the right team too. They have a few hundred people, they got a lot of money behind them, it takes a lot of capital to do engineering and <laughs> research and logistics. So um, I would just say probably the length of time they've been doing it, I would say. They're young, so there's something to be said like when a company matures and they have more of a track record. Mm -hmm. You know, I think they've been doing it for seven years. But they've already done projects in 40 countries, so we're not like, like the first one, like when we were doing our desal project, me and this guy couldn't find anyone in the world that had tried to build what we were building. And I learned a lot from it. It was like a school of learning. Now I was like, well, I don't want to do that again. So we found a company that's done 40, done projects in 40 countries. So I, to answer your question, I think probably just awareness, like longevity, I'd say. Is that helpful? Lack of recognition of some sort. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Great question. Yeah. I think when things start, like um, Prius is a good example. <clears throat> Prius started, everybody said, this is a great idea, but how long will they last? Mm -hmm. And nobody knew, right? Because yeah. it, it was yeah. And I think that's the same thing with source. It's a great idea. It makes a lot of sense. It's low cost. You don't need operators. Mm -hmm. But how long will it last? You just don't know. They don't know. So what you guys do kind of behind the scenes, or like the purpose of this is a moderately complicated. So how do you communicate that to your customers in a way that like you know they'll understand and you know will really resonate with them? Like the more complicated topics and um, like behind the scenes stuff, if that makes sense. It's a great question. Yeah, typically most people just want their coffee. Yeah. Just give me my coffee and see it, you know? And so like obviously like we put Big letters on the wall, doing good, farming cup. Most people look at that like, oh, that's kind of cool. Guess we're doing some good right there. Cool. Awesome. You know? But then when people like actually get curious, you know, they'll start to ask questions like, hey, like, I saw this photo on the wall of like you guys like down in El Salvador and like digging this thing. What, what is that about? And then they start asking those questions. And then we usually will like funnel them to like websites, you know, like, well, let, let go to oceanwater.com you know, and, and check out like what we've done there so they can like do some research. Um, that's <laughs> typically how people kind of like get into that funnel of being interested and then learning. If they're really excited about it, you know, they can go online. We have all the links on our website too. They can click on the links and, and check out the stuff that we're doing. So yeah, that's, and, and we're, we're trying to get better at continuing to tell that story in, in new and fresh and compelling ways so people like engage with our brand around that concept, you know? Because we have like the best coffee in Southern California, truly, you know? And I source a lot of it from the farmers. Like I personally travel around the world and, and we're, we're selecting these coffees. Um, but the thing that we're really passionate about is doing a lot of good and how that coffee can generate be so generative to do good and so that's what we're trying to tell that story about. great question 
Um, what is the communication and work environment like with a small business and a nonprofit? How do you balance your each individual needs and what is your partnership like on that level, I guess? Well, we've been friends for a long time, so it's pretty easy. Mm -hmm. You know, like I think when you're, you know, things go back to relationships on some levels. Yeah. So he's just, he's like, oh, you need a, you need keys to the places here. So here's the keys. So I have keys and I can use the uh, shops for whatever events. And mm -hmm. I could probably do more, you know, but I, I really have been focusing a lot on some of the water stuff. Um, he's just generally like, hey, tell me what you need and I'll help you. I'll make it happen, basically. Which is which is very very nice, and yeah, you know. it's interesting too because you know like for us we're a privately owned company, you know we have owners, and because I'm the majority owner, um, I'm able to make a lot of like big calls on things that we care about, and I'm able to align our like our our um, finances, our uh, kind of like our influence, all that stuff around things that I'm like passionate about. Friends who are doing, you know, I have a piece. And it's interesting because all the nonprofits we work with, we have personal connections with people who are involved in them. So we're not just like picking some random, like, oh, this sounds cool. Like, we're actually like, I'm like good friends with all these people who are doing things. Um, you know, there's a lot of companies out there that are like, oh, yeah, we're doing like, we partner with some big thing and that's cool. But for us, it's way more relationally integrated, you know? And so, and that probably brings a lot more passion around that. Yeah. So. That's great. Questions? Mark, do you do any kind of digital marketing or direct mail? What do you do? Any other marketing? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, pr primarily we use a lot of social media, um, you know, Instagram, Facebook. Um, we have used like the traditional, like, we have used a little bit of Yelp when we come into a new area, um, Google, those sort of things. And, and you can leverage some of those even for free. You don't need to necessarily pay like big huge fees for all that stuff. Um, you know, even if you're updating photos regularly and doing headlines, that kind of stuff's free and it pops you up into people's radar. And then we're really trying to lean into our um, email marketing and do a better job there too. Um, we've been able to, we, our POS, POS system, like the point of sale is square, and all the POS systems do this, but they just, um, you know, suck in everybody's, like, you know, information or whatever. Um, and so we'll have a huge list of, of people to be able to, who've been to our shops and who have bought from us, and we'll be able to send them emails. like, no ideas from that, like, email They'll usually, like, sign up for, like, our rewards, or sometimes, if you've already signed up under Square, it'll recognize it on your credit card. So, it's very interesting. Did not know that. But we can, um, and we do have people that opt out of those things. You know, obviously, email is, like, kind of touch and go. We tried to work with a company that was, like, that's what they did, like, email marketing. Um, we didn't get a lot of traction on it. It was, like, little boutique, like, marketing firms typically don't work out super well. But we wanted to test it a little bit, so we worked with the company a little bit to see how it would work. Um, but yeah, email's another thing that we're trying to lean into. Um, we did, we, we had some funny things. We've got really creative people that are doing it. They, uh, um, they're doing a couple of things. One, this, you guys will actually love this one. Ben just told me about this one today. Um, they're putting this one up, I think around USD a lot too, but it's like a little sticker that says having trouble pooping, and then it has a, has a, a, a QR code, and you scan it, and it takes, it takes them to our website, and how to get to that's one of our topics. It's so like just fun, you know, that's just one off little gorilla thing. I mean, they do a lot of fun things with QR codes, especially now, but that was one that they just launched like, I don't know, last week or they're doing. <laughs> you know, because coffee is like, of course, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Anyways, people are like, man, what's that? You know, you, you wonder, like, whoop, and it takes you, you're like, oh, okay, it's coffee, okay, got it. How do you measure <laughs> Yeah, we can follow some of those things. A lot of times we try to attach like an actual, like legit, like email or code. It goes out and use codes. 
and those code people will use the codes for discounts or whatever, and then you can track them that way, which is a good way. You want to be able to measure those. Um, things, things like the QR codes, you can see how many people have scanned and gone to those places. So there are a lot of metrics. I'm always kind of hitting our marketing team about like what, what are our metrics? Is this successful? Did we just throw a bunch of money out there and like hope that it's successful? Or, or yeah. are we actually doing you know, we just work? We just had the director of social marketing, social media from Hot Topic in here. Oh, and cool. she was sharing her weekly um, presentation to the CEO yeah. who asked the, the exact same questions, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, what do we get out of this? Yeah. Who, yeah. Who's looking at it? How right. many? What does that mean? Is it working? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I always say. And there has to every you have to have ways of measuring things, and and it may be it may be really tactile where like you can actually look at how many people visit a website or how many people use the code, but there's got it you've got to have a way of seeing if this was successful or not, you know, because otherwise you can waste tens of thousands, more than that, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on stuff that's not effective, you know. So and the best the best way. And I know this is like roll your eyes or but the best way of marketing is to have someone come and have such an incredible experience with you, inspired by the stuff that you're doing, um, love the coffee, the service, the entire thing. They have such an incredible experience that they go and tell everybody else and become what Chick-fil-A says, raving fans, right? Like you want raving fans. You can get a raving fan, it's better than a million cool Instagram. And that's that's our goal is to create like that lasting experience where people come in and have an interaction <coughs> with our product. You know? This group's been quiet. I have three daughters, and I know that's where all the brains are. This group's been pretty quiet. Do you guys have any any questions? I have a question. Yeah. It might be kind of personal, but how did you go from like uh, selling your house and investing that to then now like? When did you like make that back? Open different locations? Like, was it immediately successful? Like, yeah, that's my question. Um, we're still on the road to success. I mean, yeah. we haven't like arrived at some place or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I, I just, when it comes to growing something, you know, you have to be willing to just keep pushing. And you know, I've like doubled down on like what we're doing. So. Um, we have a target in mind of where we want to be at, um, as far as the number of stores and some and, and some pieces that are involved in how we get there. Um, but we're on that path right now. So um, yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't happen overnight. But um, our first store finally became profitable after about a year. And then once we turned that profit, we were able to start maximizing it. And so right now, we've actually been doing a lot of work on like getting real specific about knowing our business. In fact, we got a business mentor who used to be the old CFO of Wendy's. And so we met him through um, one of our other investors who like golfed with him, like they were like an executive golf thing or whatever. And so we met with this guy. And he like got right into the nitty gritty about our business, like asking all these questions. They're like, oh, we're not sure. We need to like find that out. Because a lot of people don't know all about their business, you know? Or you can go ask somebody, hey, are you making money? They're like, we don't know. <laughs> I don't even know if we make money, you know? Going through all the menu, all of our products, and getting real specific on like every margin, making sure everything's like set. Um, and then maximizing. So that's the process we're in right now is really maximizing our profits and running our business real efficient. And the reason why that's so important is because then we, it gives us more ability to do partnerships and make a difference. It's like connected to our mission. So um, we're on the path there, you know, we're getting there, um, but we're definitely still like investing in our growth right now. So it's not like all the owners are just taking baths and cash, you know. <laughs> Well, and it's not about that anyways. Well, but, you, know. she, she, you did use the word uh, success, though, mm -hmm. and the, the reality is is that it's totally arbitrary, yeah. and it's 100% what you decide it's going to be. So one of the things you should do in your time here, Chapman, I think, <laughs> is you should get your, you should get your um, arms around that. You should write your own definition so that you don't let somebody else give you theirs. Very, very important. 
and will teach us enough. You really need to get clear about what success is so that you're not chasing somebody else's version and somebody else's definition. I have mine and I stick to it. Mm -hmm. I'm happy. And anytime, uh, I'm very respectful like, of other people. And I'm not like, a, you know, hey, you know like, that's not me. But I stay to mine and uh, I'm, I'm clear about it. And that's very important. You know, and, and you know, I, I, I know what Marx is because we're very good friends and he's very serious about it, very focused, and I've yet to see him not get there. And, but it's personal, and he doesn't share it. He's got some goals, and he, and, but that, that's just a very important part of your development. You know, so I'm glad you brought that word up because it's kind of one of those things that floats around a little bit, but we don't always like dig into it enough. So I said, thanks for bringing that up. or like with other business partners that maybe they didn't have the same direction as you guys? Like how would you handle that? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. Um, when you do, when you get into business with somebody, um, it's really important that um, you're, you're both on the same page. And the guys I started OB Beans with, we started, um, we started all with that same passion to do we all went on the first trip to El Salvador. We all like have been inspired by like the farmers and all that. Um, when we started saying Clemente, we actually brought my business partner Adam, who's an awesome guy, he's dialed with us, and we had some other people involved as well. Um, and we got to a point where we realized that our visions weren't the same, and so we promptly bought them up. And wasn't convenient when we did that. <laughs> I didn't really have the the resources necessarily to do that, but it was so important to make sure everybody was aligned, and we did it quickly. And so, as soon as you start to see that you're not aligned in that, um, it's really important that you figure out an exit plan, you know, for them or for you or whatever, because um, yeah, it'll turn into. So, and we, and we, typically, the way we all work is we'll, we'll, um, if people have, like, different opinions, you know, we'll, we'll, like, wrestle through some of that together, but we always, like, will end with, a, okay, we're going to, we're going to stay connected to our mission. That was always our mission and why we started it. And so, and I'm able to kind of lead the team through that as well. I don't know if that, does that answer it? Uh, yeah, thank okay. you. It's a tough question though because yeah. you don't know when you go into it, right? You don't. You just do not know. And I had an investment in a little software company and I realized that the, the guy who was the majority owner wanted it to be his personal piggy bank. Mm. And that didn't sit well with me because I don't, I didn't want to be his source of funds. And so. The opposite happened. He's like, you know what, maybe I should just buy you out. And I was like, yeah, I just want my money back. That's all. I don't care if I make anything. I just I just don't want to help you buy another house. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. But it, can, it doesn't have to be money. It could be other things, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and um, in the process of that, this is a whole other topic, but in the process of that, trying to make it a win-win for everybody, um, I didn't have to demonize these guys or make them like the bad guys. But it just comes to a point when you're like, hey, like, it's okay like to disagree on the direction we're going and we're just gonna kind of like wrap this up and wish you well and move on quickly. <laughs> yeah, not, quickly. not that many people have that <laughs> mentality. Maybe it's because you spend a lot of time in salt water. I'm not sure. That <laughs> Don't drag it out. It's very, <laughs> that's a very generous approach where there's where it's win-win. Yeah. If you can, you can't always. It can't always sure. be that way. But the best way. Coffee or water? I don't feel like I have any, but that's just me. I just, I just do my little thing. I, just, I don't know. But you, you, he clearly has some. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Um, you know, we, we were actually just talking about this. Um, I, I've tried to recently, like, actually since we started, tried to open up in places that did not have specialty roasters. When we opened in Ocean Beach, in fact, even to this day, there's no other roaster in Ocean Beach. So we opened up there. When we opened up in San Clemente, no, I think only one other place was doing some small roasting, but there wasn't like a roaster, you know? And then Huntington's the same way. It's crazy as it is. I mean, Huntington's 210,000 people. And Portola was there for a while, and then they left out of the mall. But there's been nobody that's been doing specialty coffee that roasts there. So a bunch of little ones like in the surf shops and then the little 6021 over there. And they're all cool. And we try to have like great relationships with people. In fact, we try to be like, hey, where do you get your coffee? Like, can we like roast your coffee for you? You know, and we can slap your name on there, you know, or whatever. We'll white label it for you. So we try to do like, we always used to joke like circles around circles. We just want to come in and be like, hey, well, let's not be competitors. Let's, we'll roast for you, you know, like uh, see if we can beat the prices that you're using and the quality and all that, you know, so that's been something that we've up till now done, um, but it will be interesting as we grow, we're going to have to go more head to head, um, you know, we'll have to go to certain places that may have roasters and other specialty coffee, so it'll be a little bit more direct <coughs> competition, I suppose, but yeah, I mean, and, and I don't see like something like a Starbucks isn't my competitor, honestly, I mean, they... Um, I appreciate what Schultz has done. Like he created like the platform for specialty coffee. Um, if you've never read his book, how to Pour Your Heart Into It, it's a great story about how he like, you know, started the whole thing. Um, he's a very inspiring person. Um, but they they do a completely different thing than than I feel like we we do. You know, so you don't see yourself selling grocery stores. You know, the, gro the grocery, yeah, the grocery that we've had conversations, so that's a great question too. So we went up last year and met um, a friend of mine runs Cutter Point, uh, Cutter's Point Coffee in um, Seattle. They've got like 10, 15 stores, huge roaster. And they sell like Kroger and all these ones. So we went up there to just see, like, show us like what you're doing. You know, they gave us the tour and show us the whole thing. Um, but we realize that, you know, we're not trying to compete with like the cheapest coffee out there. Like that's not what we do. We like, our farmers are really proud of all the hard work, um, and, and how meticulous they are in like creating really high quality coffees that we're buying from them. So the quality level's like through the roof, right? Um, and, and that's the type of premium coffee we're wanting to sell. And so the talks that we've had isn't like with the Kroger's and the, you know, places like that. It's been with like a Gelson's or like a higher, like, you know, Jen, we sell the Jensen's too. Some places that like, like elevate those kind of craft local, you know, types of products that will elevate. The you sell like pound in your store, if I, if I recall. You sell coffee. Yeah, yeah, we sell. So how do you price that? <clears throat> Yeah, is it based on your cost to produce it? Yeah, we have we have margin sheets that we go through. So like um, a pound of coffee, it's interesting. You buy a pound of coffee green, and you roast it, so you lose twenty percent of that weight just in the roasting because all of that water comes off of it, right? So um, there's all sorts of variables. So we have a whole like um, uh, spreadsheet that shows like the cost of the the coffee green cost of it roasted, the cost of the packaging, the cost of all this, like the whole thing, and it'll spit out what our margin is. And then is. you want to make some margin on top of that. Exactly, cost. yeah. And does it vary by source, the, the cost? Yeah, yeah, so some, some areas are, like typically when you're buying out of like Africa, like African coffees are pretty expensive. Um, Mexican coffee's a little cheaper than maybe you would get, like an Ethiopia would probably be like, one of the more expensive ones that we buy. Um, and then Central America is like kind of in the middle. Yeah. I just, I, I remember buying coffee at Surf. I mean, yeah. coffee. Yeah. I don't remember being super expensive. I mean, yeah. you know, you'd spend 15, 16 bucks for a pound of Stumptown. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fine. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. We try to be, 
yeah, we try to be like competitive in that pricing. We do look at what, what other people are charging to, and, and then we look at our margins, and, and we try to be fair, and you know, yeah. we're not trying to you know, gouge anybody. But unfortunately, right now, you know, there's inflation across the board, and that like even affects on like pricing, like for shipping, pricing for all the bags, all the supplies, everything's up. So like, you know, we're constantly having to look at our those margins. Yeah, we, we buy it from them. Yeah, we're not, we don't like employ them. But one of the things that we've actually started to do too, so in El Salvador, um, we actually have been pre-buying, like giving them money ahead of time before the, the harvest even comes. Um, because a lot of times they have a hard time um, being able to like get all of their workers paid, get them on the farm, because you get paid at the end, right? You know, like you sell your coffee, you get paid then. So we've been trying to find ways to like, Help those farmers with their with their communities, with their staff, with the people that are you know picking the coffee for them. So, um, but yeah, we don't we don't personally like we're not like employing them, but we're giving them like top dollar for those coffees. So, yeah. In fact, we try to do it in Bitcoin because that's the that's the um, the national currency of El Salvador. They made that the national currency. It's crazy. And so we're like, oh, that would be such a cool thing to in that currency buy it, you know, and so we tried to get that to where we could do it, and we had it kind of set up, and it just, we, we couldn't get it to work right, you know, for him to get it, and I'm glad that it didn't, because just shortly after that, <laughs> the ball, the ball and I was like, that wouldn't have been a good store, because yeah. then you would have got, you know, kind of gypped on the whole thing, but we're just trying to look for, like, ways that we can, like, you know, innovate, and be innovative and helpful for these farmers. That's a risk for you guys, though, right? It is, yeah. I mean, when you write a ten thousand dollar check to you know your farmer, then eat coffee, your crop, yeah, and then and we're banking. We worked with him for seven years, so his coffee is some of the best that we get. So we know he does a really good job. Um, but yeah, that's a, there's some risk involved, and there's trust with these farmers. You know, I've built, like I've gone and spent time, and it's crazy because these farmers like invite you into their house, like you have breakfast with their family. Like I mean, they just it, it's it, because it means a lot to them. I mean, this is their livelihood. Um, this is their families. This is their communities, um, and so it's pretty pretty cool to build those longer term relationships with those farmers and see the impact over time that you have. You know. Cool. Yeah. Any other questions? Yeah. Um, so I know you mentioned how your product line is very much ethically sourced, and I know you also mentioned that you want to expand with like partnerships and all that stuff. So I guess my question for you is how do you see yourself going beyond and like if, if it's like in a more in a product sense, do you see yourself going beyond the lines of coffee, or do you just see yourself staying in that niche? Mm. So so yeah, so, so branching outside the coffee. Yeah, like but like, keeping to like what your mission statement is, because yeah. I assume that's obviously like the focal point. Yeah, sure. Well, you know, ultimately like coffee is our is our platform. Like that's our, our main, um, kind of main, you know, product and source. I do think that we'll do, we do other things. I mean, we do work with tea, and some of the tea that we do um, is also like have the same mission statement. The guy that we work with works specifically with farmers. We don't go and do the tea ourselves, but we partner with them. Mm -hmm. So there are you know different products. Like we're, 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 we've been um, making all of our own pastries and stones are insane. Yeah, it's it's uh, so it's that's been really fun to like learn that side too and have the team really crush it. So. But coffee is kind of the foundation, and it's it, coffee is such an interesting product because it takes a global community to produce. Not a whole lot of things are like that, right? You know, like if you want to like brew beer, you can get hops here in the United States. But like coffee, because of scales of economy and in and, and, um, climate, you know, where it can be grown the best and all that, it, it, it takes a global community. And it's, and, it, and it's also a product that people consume every single day. There's not a whole lot of other <coughs> 
products out there that every single day you would go and buy a cup of coffee from. Well, you know, that, that's something that is unique. So it's such a unique product that we get to be in, unlike anything else. And it really connects people because it's a daily thing, but it connects us globally because it's a global community. So we'll always keep that close. You know. Great questions. Anybody else? Well, Mark and Ryan, awesome. Thank you so much.